I was telling um, um, Tom and Randy a minute ago about my middle daughter who graduated from Samford University in Birmingham this past May, and she's going back to Birmingham this week to take a job as a teacher in a Christian private school in the inner city. And I can remember helping her with her application for that several months ago. And the first question on that application for teaching at a Christian school was, <clears throat> reasonably, you know, tell us about your walk with Christ. What's that been like? And that's a reasonable question for teaching at a Christian private school. But uh, I've been asked that from time to time. And maybe you have been too. How do you possibly describe your walk with the Lord? Lo, these many years, how do you, where do you begin? How do you talk about it? And I had to, and for my own answer um, that I've had to give from time to time has been, really my walk with Christ has been marked by losses, losses that, that the Lord has done in my life. Um, the pruning that he has done in my life have, has meant everything. Some, you know, as a, the, those losses have been age appropriate. You know, when I was a single man, the Lord used loss of a girlfriend as a real way to get my attention. And, you know, later miscarriages in our, in our marriage or jobs that I wanted to get but didn't get or um, other broken areas of my life, idols that the Lord went after that I didn't have the courage to go after myself, those kinds of things. Losses mean a great deal in our, in our walk with the Lord. And this passage of John 15 is that famous passage about abiding in the vine. And we'll take two weeks to talk about abiding in the vine. This week we're going to talk really about that action of pruning and what that's like. And how do you abide in the vine while the Lord is pruning us? There is a big part of our life as believers about how to stick close to the Lord while he is doing those hard things and bringing us losses. Losses that, that are sometimes done by our own hand and sometimes done by the Lord's hand, but he is always involved in those losses. So we're going to talk about abiding in the vine today. And it's a familiar passage, and, a, and it's a word picture that the Lord has, has used. And even though we've maybe heard it a lot of times, I want to make sure we've got the terms understood before we start reading it. So on the first, part of your, first page of your handout, you're, you're going to notice that the Lord is going to talk about branches and vines and vine dressers. So just know that as he tells this word picture, this parable, so to speak, when he talks about the vine, he's talking about himself. Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches in this illustration, and the vine dresser is our Heavenly Father. And on your handout, I've given you an illustration of a typical vineyard, or a vine in a vineyard, and you can see that, that strong vine going vertically is the vine, and then once it reaches the top, the vine branches off the left and the right. That's still the vine, that heavy vine. And then those tinier areas are the branches that feed off that vine. And that picture on the left is illustrated with a photograph on the right. You can see the same picture with the grapes hanging down, those branches, and the vine that goes upward and then spreads left and right. And then a typical vine dresser in the modern day, as you can see in that middle picture, the guy with the red shirt, who's going through carefully to these different vines and clipping, pruning the branches off those vines. You can see modern-day pruning in the lower left, using uh, modern-day tools to 
prune and clip those branches off. And then over in the bottom right, you can see a picture of an actual vine that has been pruned and it's bleeding. You would never think about vines bleeding, but they do. After they've been pruned, they drip that clear liquid that, and they call it bleeding. All right, so we've got that. So in the passage we're going to look at today, verse 5 is the most famous, and that's when Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's verse 5. But before Jesus gets to this key verse, he talks about the work of the vine dresser, our, our heavenly father. And he, it sets up the whole passage. So today we're going to talk about abiding in the vine and, and how believers abide with Jesus and how, and how the Lord prunes us. The Father is going to be pruning us as we abide in him. And so we'll talk about the today and next week, Lord willing. We'll talk about how to abide in Christ in other ways. So let's read this passage, chapter 15 in John, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, notice the role of the vine dresser. That's our Heavenly Father. Two things that the, that the vine dresser does. Did you pick them out? So, in one hand, he takes away fruitless branches. And then for the fruitful branches, what does he do to them? He prunes them. So, in other words, he has two roles. He destroys, and he disciplines and grows. And you've got to ask, why does he do that? Why does he do that for the fruitful branches? It's for the purpose of growth and to keep that vine fruitful and to cultivate it and care for the plant in general. So he's talking about us here. He's talking about his kingdom and his people. But look at the first half of, of verse 2. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Who's he talking about is the question. And you might be thinking, gosh, is he talking about me? Is, is this a warning from Jesus to really fly right and be good and be productive or else you're going to get thrown out? No. Be really clear on this. Jesus is not talking about believers here. He is talking about the branches that are to be thrown out are unbelievers. 
So Jesus talks about this truth several times in the gospel, that, that sometimes believers and unbelievers can look kind of the same, but they are not. And, and unbelievers can be attached to the church, getting all the benefits and trappings of the church, but at some point, at the Lord's discretion, they'll be separated out. And that's what he's talking about here. It's similar to the parable of the wheat and the, ta- wheat and the tares, where weeds are growing up side by side with, with the wheat. And, and Jesus is making a distinction here in this parable. Um, two different kinds of branches are here. Every branch, it says in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So, let me assure you, believers, believers in Christ never need to worry about being separated out and burned. We cannot lose our salvation and then once, and then we can't lose our salvation once the Lord has saved us. We can't be born again and then suddenly lost. We cannot be a child of God through faith and then cast out. We can't be one of the shepherd's sheep and then suddenly not be one of his sheep. And so chapter 6 in John talks about this at length over and over again. All that the Father gives me, he will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So we as believers can stumble and do all the time, all the time. And we can fall a great distance. But when we are saved, when we are part of his flock, we never are cast out ultimately. And those that do fall away permanently were never true believers in the first place. So, notice verse 3. It's kind of a strange verse. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. In Greek, if you look at the Greek, cleaning and pruning are often used interchangeably. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us, you are already cleaned. You're chosen, you're elected, you're saved In fact, the fact that you're going to be pruned in the future is evidence that you are called and that you are clean. So unbelieving branches are never pruned. They're thrown away. So he's saying you are already suitable to the vine dresser and you are clean. So Jesus here is is not prompting us to think about, gee, am I saved or not? That's, That's done in other places in the Bible. In this particular passage, he's talking to believers. He's going to talk about the judgment of the unbelievers quickly, and then he's going to move on to us, believers, and how we are about to be pruned. And and he's going to give, as Jesus is in chapter 15, he's giving final instructions to his disciples. He's talking about, he's just hours away from the cross, and he is talking about how to live now when he leaves this earth, and how to live with the Holy Spirit who is coming, and how to abide in him once he's gone. So, The branches are attached to the vine, and he's now going to talk about the second role of the Heavenly Father, of the vine dresser, and that is to prune us. And this is painful and confusing. And when we are pruned, just remember that our Heavenly Father knows what he's doing. He's good. He's wise. He's he's hard to understand, but his intent is to grow us and the kingdom. So Jesus tells us right off why our Heavenly Father the vine dresser prunes us. And what's the reason? In verse 2, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it may bear more fruit. I wanted to learn a little more about pruning, and so I went to some websites to look at county extensions for areas of the country that, that um, have vines and, and grow grapes. 
and I got some helpful hints. I just wanted to read you. These were written from a secular viewpoint, of course. There's nothing spiritual about the intent. But when you read what, what the county extension says about, about pruning vines, grapevines, look at the spiritual implications. I'll just read a few things. This is from actually in Nebraska, where they actually grow, grow grapes for wine. Who knew? But they say this, before pruning, a grapevine may have 200 to 300 buds which are capable of producing fruit. If the vine is left unpruned, the number of grape clusters would be excessive. The grapevine would be unable to ripen the large crop or sustain adequate vegetative growth. It says the purpose of pruning is to obtain maximum yields of high quality grapes and to allow adequate vegetative growth for the following season. To aid identification, some gardeners tie brightly colored ribbons or cloth strips on those canes they wish to retain. Pruning can begin in late February and should be completed by early April. Grapevines pruned at this time of year may bleed heavily. However, the bleeding will not harm the vines. For most home gardeners, Pruning grapevines requires a basic understanding of three things. Pruning principles, the right tools, and a little courage. A little courage. That's what we don't typically have when it comes to pruning our own spiritual lives. And so our Heavenly Father, the vine dresser, introduces pruning and discipline into our lives that we just would not touch. He goes to areas we don't want him touching. We don't have the courage to deal with them. These are idols and false gods, blind spots, areas of pride, areas where we need to die to self, and, but we just can't do that. So we need a vine dresser who is wise, careful, discerning, and who's got a plan. I didn't read you all the technical details about pruning grapevines. It, was, it got way beyond me really quickly. But one thing I did really note, as I read to you, that they tie brightly colored ribbons on the branches the vine dresser wants to keep. And he knows, the vine dresser knows who he's going to keep. Remember that you and I are just like branches that have brightly colored ribbons around us. The Lord keeps us. He's not going to throw us out. But he has marked us so that he can prune us. And when you've got someone who loves you, and who was wise doing the pruning, it's fabulous. So pruning often comes in the form of discipline from the Lord. And so when you think of discipline, spiritually speaking, you would normally think of Hebrews 12. And so I printed that in your handout. Let's read it quickly. And it's really familiar stuff to us because it, it's something we can relate to. Hebrews 12, verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, approved, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And then verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There's that analogy again. It yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. So at the bottom of the page, on page two, I've, I've listed for you the, 
On the left, God's work as a vine dresser. We've just talked about it. He does judge unfruitful branches, unbelievers. He does do that. But he also, for the fruitful branches, will prune us, those believers. So those are the two things that vine dresser, a heavenly father, does. He's very good at it, very wise. But on the right-hand side, what about how do we live while being pruned? How do we abide in this vine while, while we're being pruned? And I've, there are many, many things to talk about here. I've just drawn your attention to three different things. You can see these principles all over the Bible. When we are being pruned, we need to learn how to submit to ambiguity. We need to see Jesus accurately as that pruning is going on, not, not ignorantly. And we need to find joy by drawing on that vine like never before. So we're going to talk about these things. We need to really be careful when we're being pruned, men, to not overreact to God's pruning. It's really important. We must be able to recognize and not bolt or rebel or land in the ditch when pruning is going on. It's really important. It's something that is a a mark of walking with the Lord. Don't overreact. We need to accept that discipline, that pruning from our Heavenly Father, who is wise, and it's a big part of our life with Him. And it's good because pruning does what? What does it do again? It bears fruit. So that's why we need to accept this part of living and abiding in the vine. Jesus warns us that we can't really do anything um, by ourselves. We'll talk about that more next week. But Jesus simultaneously warns that we are going to be pruned. And so part of abiding in the vine is is remembering to not try to produce alone and don't lose your bearings and remember who the Lord is and maintain your joy while that pruning is going on. So there are many suggestions here, many more than I'm going to talk about, but I'm just going to talk about three. The first is abiding with Christ while he's pruning us by submitting to ambiguity. Remember, the pruning is from him, but that ambiguity is what happens shortly after pruning happens. It's confusing, and it's painful. And, and abiding in Christ means following him wherever he takes you, especially when you can't really discern where and why this is going on. Believers who cannot do this force a bunch of answers that are, they're not meant to have. They make poor decisions. They try, to f- they try to fit Jesus into their agenda instead of discerning Jesus' agenda. One of my favorite business coaching books is a book called FYI, For Your, in- For Your Improvement. It's by a guy named Michael Lombardo. And in this book, he gives 67 competencies for work. And there have been many books written similarly, and they all have about the same 67 competencies, different competencies to be successful. And we're not good at all the competencies, and certain competencies are more important than others. You know, things like um, being action-oriented, being strategic, time management, priority setting, stuff like that. And this book talks about 10 really important ones for productivity, and he also talks about about 19 that are kind of career killers, that if you're not good at these things, it'll impact you. And, and since we're not good at all of them, this book is all about the different competencies that fit for the particular job you're in and being good at them. But one of the things he talks about in being strategic, he says one of the competencies in being strategic is being able to deal with ambiguity in your work. 
And he talks about the fact that there are some people who just are unskilled at this, and what happens is that they're just, they're not comfortable with change, and they may not do well and f with fuzzy problems that don't have a clear solution, and they become kind of less efficient, less productive when there's ambiguity, and they sometimes are just too quick to make a decision, just in order to end the ambiguity. And these are, you know, they've got a strong need to finish everything, and this can't be finished all the time because you're in an amb ambiguous time, and they do things poorly, and they make bad decisions too early. And that's got a correlation to us spiritually. When the Lord is pruning us, it is confusing. And you can't really tell where things are going. And we get trapped insisting Jesus reveal the why and the when and the where and the how. And the secret to abiding with the Lord in times of ambiguity is to dive into the scripture and be with him. Know who he is. Learn who he is. Learn his attributes. When you are in a time of ambiguity, instead of looking for the answer, the why and the when, look at the who. And remember, figure out who, who the Lord is. This is the time to go deep into the scripture and, and know him. See what he's like. Look at his attributes and realize how much he loves you, how wise he is, how he's 100% accurate. And so when we know Jesus, the vine, it enables us to abide with him even though you don't know where he's taking us. Oswald Chambers wrote once that he said, gracious uncertainty is the mark of a spiritual life. Gracious uncertainty is a mark of the spiritual life. Think of the most mature believers you know. If you think about that, you'll know that they're not rock solid because they have easy lives. They're rock solid despite the uncertainties ahead of them. And how do you do that? How do people get to be like that, have hard lives but still be certain of the Lord. It's because they're not, they may be uncertain of, of their next step, you may be uncertain of your next step, but you can be very certain about God and who he is. Mature believers are like that. They know how to abide with the Lord because as they're being pruned and they don't know what's going on, they are certain about the vine dresser. They know about him, and they're certain about him. It's about knowing who God is and who's caring for you. So the first thing is abiding with Christ while being pruned. You've got to be submitting to ambiguity. So that's the first thing. The second thing I wanted to tell you is abiding by Christ is also seeing the Lord accurately and not ignorantly. And what I mean by that is that is that when we're being pruned, we can misunderstand that or misinterpret it as being attacked by the Lord. You know, if you would go into a vineyard right after the vine dresser has pruned this vineyard, it would really look disturbing. You know, you would see, it, it almost looks like the vineyard had been attacked. You're going to see perfectly good, great buds all over the ground. Perfectly good, all over the ground. And you're going to see vines bleeding. And, and you're gonna, it's going to look like the vine dresser is out there killing and attacking the vines. And its appearance is no longer beautiful and lush. It's more severe and, and minimal. And it almost looks wasteful when you go into a vineyard after pruning. If you've ever pruned a rose bush or a tree, it almost looks wasteful when you see everything that's on the ground right after the pruning happens. 
And I wonder if some of us have recently been pruned by the Lord, and it looks like a total waste. Have you ever been in a situation like that, where the Lord has pruned you, and it seems like a waste, or an attack, or at best, just really unnecessary? Have you ever told the Lord, I don't need this? I don't need it? That's the response of immaturity. It looks like sometimes the Lord doesn't care. You're bleeding, and you don't understand. And this is where we can be totally honest with the Lord and come to him, not our 12 best friends, but come to him and, and pray accurately and not ignorantly. Come back to the Lord. Rehearse the truth about this vine dresser, our Heavenly Father. His aim is what? Growth. His aim is sanctification in you and me, to be more like Christ. These cuts we've experienced aren't random. A vine dresser doesn't go into this vineyard with a buzzsaw and just hack away. No, a vine dresser makes many small strategic cuts in just the right places, to just the right branches, in just the right way. That's because our Heavenly Father loves us cares for us, knows us. He knows exactly what he's doing when pruning happens. We are, we are covered in a colored ribbon. He knows. He knows to save us, but he will prune us so that we'll grow. So, it may look ugly and disfigured, and you might see perfectly good grape buds on the ground, and we might mistakenly view this, these cuts that we go through as might-have-beens, the job that might have been or should have been, the business deal that could have made such a difference but was lopped off and now lies on the ground, the girlfriend you thought was truly best for you but now is just a tragedy and a waste, the illness that ruined your life, the financial reversal that leaves you wondering what could have been if God hadn't unwisely cut you, when we view God ignorantly, we see pruning as a merciless act by a mean vine dresser. That I've copied for you a really famous C.S. Lewis quote that you've probably heard before, but it's always good to read it. Um, he wrote this in, in a book called A Grief Observed. He says this, the more we believe that God hurts only to heal, the less we can believe that there is any use in begging for tenderness. Now let me read that first sentence again. The more we believe that God hurts only to heal, which is true, God does hurt only to heal. The more we believe that, the less we can believe that there is any use in begging for tenderness. A cruel man might be bribed but suppose that what you are up against is a surgeon whose intentions are wholly good. The kinder and more conscientious he is, the more inexorably he will go on cutting. If he yielded to your entreaties, if he stopped before the operation was complete, all the pain up to that point would have been useless. But is it credible that such extremities of torture should be necessary for us? We'll take your choice. The tortures occur. If they are unnecessary, then there is no God or a bad one. 
If there is a good God, then these tortures are necessary. For no even moderately good being could possibly inflict or permit them if they weren't. Either way, we're for it. So, we're for it, this pruning. This pruning is something we're for, remember? So to be for it, we've got to have the ability to rise up and remember accurately who the Lord is. We've got to keep on knowing him better. I've got to, there have been times in my life where I have kind of forgotten what God is like. In the, in the pain of pruning, I have just sort of lost it and lost sight of who he was. What I do, typically, is I will read some books of the Bible like the, gospel, like the Acts, Acts of the Apostles. Or I'll read the book of Jonah or the book of Ruth. I'll read 1st, 2nd Samuel, The Life of David. Those are books that help me understand who God is because the people in these books have been pruned heavily, deeply. And when you look at these books, you'll get, a, you'll get reminded of who God is. Sometimes I forget who he is, what he's like, and these books will help us do that. They'll it'll remind you of how God is, is carefully pruning and causing pain but sticking very very close okay so the third thing about abiding in Christ while being pruned drink in the joy drink in the joy see that last verse verse 11 these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full so we're supposed to derive joy from this wise pruning by a heavenly father who knows what he's doing that's where we get joy the pruning, as it's happening, no, he knows what he's doing. He's got a great purpose. It's growth. And remember, he never makes a mistake. He doesn't cut where he's not supposed to cut. He's got a colored ribbon around you. And he loves us immeasurably. So remember, remember biologically why you do pruning of a vine. It promotes growth on that vine. You know, when you remove unfruitful branches from a vine... Why are you doing that? It's because those unfruitful branches are stealing nutrients from the branches that you want to keep. So whenever you do pruning, whether it's a tree or a rose or a grapevine, you get rid of the unfruitful branches because they're sucking nutrients away from the ones you want to keep. Now, once those bad branches are removed, what happens to the, to the remaining branches? They draw on the vine like they never had before. That's what happens. So when the branches are removed, you, one of the fruitful branches, the ones that the Lord wants to keep, will be able to draw on that vine like you'd never been able to do before. Those, that's where we get joy and meaning. Have you know, There are people who have experienced this all the time where they've been pruned and they will say, you know, everything else was cut away from my life. The idols, the false gods, the things I used to rely on. And all I have left is the vine, Jesus. And if you know people like that, and you're probably one of them, if you've ever been in a spot like that where the Lord has taken everything away from you except him, you know you are drinking heavily. And you are now going to drink from him and abide with him like you never have before. He knows what he's doing. He's really smart. And he wants to grow you and me. 
So he takes away everything else so that you can suck on him, abide with him, live with him like you've never done before. That creates joy. If you've ever been there or know people who have been there stripped of so much, they will tell you they've never felt such joy in their whole lives. Abiding in the vine while being pruned brings you joy. Some of you know that I had, uh, I was really sick with cancer and some other complications for five years, five years. I was nauseous almost every day for five years, if you can believe that. It was tough living and almost died a couple times. But I can look back now, in fact, even at the time, those five years were the best five years of my whole life. You see, when that pruning knife comes to you, he cuts the branch back into fullness. That's what happens. When we draw on this vine like never before, the Lord cuts us back into fullness and gives you joy. It's really something. So it's a core competency of walking with the Lord and abiding with him is while he's pruning, learn how to live and take joy and satisfaction that he knows what he's doing. You will come out different, different completely changed if you will allow him to do that cutting. Actually, you don't have any choice. If you're one of his, he will do the cutting. So learn to abide with him. Love him for it. Love the discipline. It's tough, isn't it? I know. Let's pray. Father God, we don't have the courage to do this ourselves, and so we are so grateful that you are a vine dresser, our heavenly father, who knows exactly what he's doing and loves us, knows where to cut. We ask for the courage to, to abide with you while you do it. Change us, Lord. It's in the strong name of Jesus, the vine, that we pray. Amen.